And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rantanen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or reserve products online at mygreensolution.com. So you can walk in, grab what you need, and get out of there fast. And you can use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph. With me today is Evan Rowell, as AJ is a bit under the weather, so we get a new voice on the pod to talk a little bit of Avalanche. We will start with the game against the Islanders, because it did in fact happen, but most of this podcast will probably be more about where the Avs stand on the whole. Still, the Avs did just lose one to nothing to the New York Islanders in what might be perfect if you are looking to take a nap. That is how I would describe that game. Evan, is there anything interesting to take out of this one? Um, No, not really. I mean, the Avs got trotzed. That's just yeah. what happened. That's the exact type of game that the Islanders wanted to play, and the Avs kind of played into it. Um, they did... I mean, they took a lot of shots, but it was just a lot of from the outside. So that's exactly how the Islanders want to play. And then you can see why goalies have success in that system because they don't really have to do a whole lot. Yep. Uh, Between Varley being the type of goaltender that he is, he's always been one of the better goalies, in my opinion, at, at tracking pucks and knowing where the shot is coming from. You throw him in a system like that, and he stops all of those shots, even if there are bodies in front. Yeah, Mitch going to Mitch Corn was probably one of the best decisions he could have made. So, um, good for him. Uh, that was not an exciting game at all. Uh, very boring to watch. The Avs just, what do they have? Thirty-three block shots of their attempts tonight. So, um, it was just, it was just ugly. And uh, I guess the only thing disappointing is that they let the Islanders just kind of dictate everything, which is kind of a bummer. But hey, at least you're not going to face this team in the playoffs unless it goes to the finals. Yeah, I think I said the exact same thing in my video. So the on one hand, is it a bit concerning that this is starting to become a trend for the Avalanche? We've seen them struggle against the Blues. We've seen them struggle against Arizona. We've seen them struggle against Dallas. These teams that really do play that slow place, very grindy, gruff defense through the neutral zone. Is is that something the Avs need to solve, or is it less of a concern for you? As we saw, they manhandled the Blues on home ice not too long ago. So does it just take a couple of games for the Avs to figure them out? Yeah, and I think at, at home they seem to be more willing to just play their game and dictate the pace, whereas you know we've seen the two games in St. Louis have just been all Blues. And tonight on the island, uh, it was all Islanders and Dallas has kind of done the same for the most part in Dallas. So 
Um, it's maybe it's just a road thing. The Avs just play a little bit differently on the road, but um, it's it's not really a huge concern at this point. Uh, I think the Avs obviously have more talent than that team. It's just you know that was the perfect trots game, and the Avs just you know. Their goaltender played pretty well too. It's just you couldn't beat Varley at all. And Varley, you could tell from the the start, he was determined. You saw those eyes, and it was like, well, you know, we've seen that Varley before. Yep, we know, Varley we definitely know. did his thing. Yeah, so I'm not too concerned. Um, other than it has been kind of consistent on the road. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's, if there's anything concerning, it's that. But I think the Avs could definitely you know, take a team like that. And we've seen them, you know, they took it to the blues last week. They can handle it. It's just, they got to get going at their own pace. For sure. Being able to play the way they want to play and not, you know, running the puck into the trap in the neutral zone all game long, things like that. Yeah. And it's just being patient. Like, I mean, they were patient for the most part. And then McKinnon kind of bit in the neutral zone. And that was all the Islanders needed for one goal. And then, and then you kind of saw the Avs just kind of be, you know, maybe take some more chances. EJ was just trying to go through everybody at the end of the game and it just wasn't working. And that's not how you beat the Islanders. You just got to, you know, you got to change it a little bit um, while still playing the with speed and pace, uh, but just, you know, playing a smarter game than, than the way the Avs played. Yeah. So the Avs did put a puck in the net technically in this game. They did get one pass at Varley, but on the review, it was ruled to be offside. I've looked at the clip dozens of times by now, and, and I do think, you know, by the rule book, it was the correct call. But here we are again, a puck that was flipped 25 feet into the air. The Avs then possessed it in the offensive zone for a good 20 seconds after the fact. It, it's another play where the offside had really zero effect on how the play went, and it took away a goal. So I'm curious. We haven't really gotten your thoughts on on offside challenges and the like in general. Where do you stand on all of it? Yeah, I mean the, the offside stuff is annoying because obviously, like you said, this didn't whether or not he was offside by you know six inches or a foot. It ultimately didn't really play that big of a role in the goal. My my big issue is these goals that happen twenty to thirty seconds after the offside play. It's I think there's got to be something in there with just like where there's, you know, that's not that's not why the the goal went in because the the play was offside thirty seconds ago. There's a lot of things that happened in between that the the flip of the puck to the puck going in the net. So that's the frustrating part is that a bunch of time had passed and that the Islanders had plenty of time to make a play to get the puck out of the zone and just you know nothing happens so uh that's my issue the offside stuff is annoying but um i understand why they have it it's just that you know i think obviously everyone wants to make changes to this rule and that's one change i've always wanted is that there should be kind of a time limit on this like if it's a three on two goal off a rush where the puck goes in the net right away i think that's an easy challenge whereas this stuff where it's just extended zone time is just i think that's excessive so kind of just refining the rule a little bit and being more specific about when you can use it. Yeah, or like even if, you know, if the other team even touches the puck and it turns over again in the zone, you know, I think that at that point you shouldn't be able to challenge because you had a chance to get the puck out and you just didn't. So that's my issue. Obviously, it played a pretty big role in this game, so it's pretty annoying. Um, man, it, 
seems like Zadorov, at least early in his ass career, had a lot of these goals taken away. So it kind of felt like that again tonight. <laughs> yeah, it has not been a great year for him racking up points, certainly. so. No, and he looked, I mean, when they interviewed him in the second period, he looked kind of defeated. He's like, uh, yeah, I haven't even watched it. I don't even want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I he's, he's embraced his role on the defensive side, which I do think, if you're taking a positive from this game, the Avs defense was fairly solid, I would say. they. New York is a team that does take plenty of shots from the outside. They're comfortable settling for those type of things, but outside of the obvious goal that they gave up, I think they did a good job limiting New York. Yeah, I mean, as much as the Avs were on the outside, the Islanders really didn't. I mean, Francis didn't really have to do anything for the first two periods either. It was just a lot of outside shots that, you know, he should be able to stop and felt like the outside shots kind of helped his rebound control. He, he he wasn't as erratic as he has been in the past. So that was nice to see. But yeah, I thought the defense overall played well. Um, the way things are going right now, Z has been the clear number six the last couple games. So it's just, you know, um, so weird to see how, you know, he was the number one like three weeks ago. So that's just the way the Avs defense goes. Um, I would have liked to see Makar play a lot more tonight. I, I don't think he had his best game, but a game like this, I think you need to get him on the ice more. And he was fourth among even strength ice time on the D, which I'm not a huge fan of. You would think especially, you know, when you're you get that goal called back and you're halfway through the game and you have no goals on the board as the avalanche, they need to get that offense activated a little bit and that's by far on the back end Makar is the player to do that so yeah and like I said he it wasn't his best game but I mean Graves played two more minutes than him and it's just like yeah I I get it Graves is having a good year but you need to get your game breakers out there more and uh, just didn't seem like they were doing that enough on the with Makar I would have liked to see him more down the stretch for sure same kind of deal with the power play, maybe. They have had two power plays in this one. We can talk about how it's gone back to the exact way it was before the Blues game. But in this second power play, they had an opportunity to try and tie the game relatively late in the third. They t- threw out a completely new look unit of it was McKinnon, Donskoy, Burakovsky, and Kadri, I believe. So both Ranchushkin. You're right. It wasn't a shooting was out there. And I was like, what's happening? But he had a good game. I guess that makes sense. Even so, late in the game, both Rantanen and Landeskog were not on a power play unit with Nathan McKinnon. Now, Rantanen had taken a skate to the face and had to go get stitches. So that's part of it. But still, it felt like Bednar juggled the power play units together just for the sake of juggling them. Yeah, that felt like when the Chushkin, it was like, there. it's not going to be a pretty goal. Just put the biggest guy on the ice in front of the net and see if we can get anything. Um, and I don't even know if the Avs got a shot on goal in the power play. So um, it's just, yeah, and, and I missed the Blue ga- Blues game, so I missed the success of the power play. But the last two games have just been ugly. And they give up these shorthanded chances against, too. It's just, it's not pretty. Um, and these switching up of the units is kind of this last resort to we don't want to change the system, so we're just going to try whatever we can to switch it up. So um, they're not creating enough. I mean, obviously the pro- everything runs through McKinnon, and if, if he's not on his game, like he didn't really seem to be on it tonight, then, you know, they're going to struggle. And 
the, there's just no movement there. We've talked, you guys have talked about it enough. So it's fairly obvious that uh, the power play is a massive issue right now. Yep. Yeah, uh, definitely safe to say a one O game of that style, which puts you to sleep makes me want to drink. So it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge brewery, the official beer of DNVR. For one like that, with my my throat's been a little sore these past couple days, so I'm sticking with an easy one to drink, like the Strawberry Sky. Goes down easy, tastes great, you know the drill. Any beer from them, really, though, when you're healthy and not hacking up a lung, is delicious. Highly recommend you try them out. You can find them at your local liquor store or pretty much anywhere else these days with beer in gas stations and, and all over the place now in Colorado. Still something I'm getting used to a whole year later. But yeah, also keep an eye out for the Breckenridge event calendar on the DNVR, where we have all of our events planned. Not actually sure when the next Avs watch party is happening. I know some people have been asking about it, so I'm sure we will get on that next one very soon. And we'll be drinking Breck Brew there as well. I did want to wrap up a couple of other things on this Islanders game here. For the Avs, in general, they have been pretty dominant against the East Coast this season, but the Islanders kind of flipped the script on them a little bit. So are the Avs able to just throw this game in the bin? Is Is there anything they can take out of it going forward to be better on the East Coast? No, and I mean, they've been good on the road all year, so I don't think you take too much from it. Um, it just wasn't their best game and they let the Islanders dictate the play. So, um, or I guess they, they kind of fell into the trap that the Islanders want teams to fall into. So, uh, they played well defensively. Obviously the Islanders are just in general, not a high scoring team, but, um, I'm not sure you take too much from it other than you just want to be able to dictate the play more on the road and play the way that you, you expect to play most nights. And they just didn't do that tonight. I have not read your grades for my three standouts video. I named all of the silly things that happened in this game. So I'm curious, who did you think played the best on the abs in this game? <laughs> I don't even, I think Francis got the best grade and that was an A minus. And I don't even think I gave anyone higher than like a B minus. It was just the most bland, boring game ever. And it's, I think that was Nachushkin because I thought he played well and he fed Kadri a few times for some nice chances, but it just, there was no real standouts, and I guess that's the thing. And uh, the one thing that really annoyed me, I know he took a skate to the face, is that Miko Rinn had a hat trick last game, and he didn't even attempt a shot on goal in 16-plus minutes of ice time. So um, that's frustrating, and um, it seemed like he was kind of getting back on track after some struggles and kind of fell back into that tonight. I will say he did look a little bit more confident on his skates again. It seems like he's he's gotten that back. but He's not Bambi? Yeah, he's not Bambiing out there for sure, but you're you're right in his deference when it comes to shooting the puck. It's especially when they have him down there working on that third line. He's got to pull the trigger. Yeah, he's got to be the guy. You don't need. Well, I guess Burkowski. You know, it's okay for him to shoot the puck, but um, he spent at least half the game on the top line, so you'd like to see him shooting a little bit more. Yeah, no doubt about it. He does need to shoot more. Only he, Donskoy, and Jost for the forwards didn't register a shot on goal in this game. Yeah, Jost so. has been, and I know there's a lot of Jost controversy out there, but 
the last couple of games, every time he's gotten a chance, it's just been high and wide, and that's that's frustrating. But it's also probably a sign of a guy who maybe doesn't have the most confidence in the world right now. Definitely squeezing it a little bit, I would say, and it, it's got to be as frustrating for him as it is to watch because he consistently does create the opportunities where he gets himself into a good spot, and then you know tonight he can't get the shot off, or it goes high and wide, or or whatever. It's got to come soon, though. Yeah, I think he's doing, you know, he's doing a lot of things right. I pointed out in my mailbag last week that his all of his metrics are good, and he's generating a lot of shots. It's just that I'm not sure that they're the most dangerous shots in the world. Um, but, you know, for the most part, he's doing a lot of things right. It's just I don't know if there's really one thing he excels in, which it might be his issue going forward. Yeah, I I think that's a fairly fair assessment. We'll go ahead and end up the first period here. If the Avs play like that, play this style of hockey, I can tell you ain't nobody going to be making a lot of money. So they might be in a low tax bracket. And there's a new alternative for addressing your tax needs. Symbiotax and Administration provides its clients with honest and knowledgeable tax services from a licensed professional. You guys know we're all about taking care of our own, and George over at Symbiotax is a proud DNVR subscriber and a diehard Avs fan. Whether you have a small business, you're looking to rent out a room in your house, or you just need to get a tax return filed, go to a qualified professional like George. Don't end up at one of those retail tax chains. Call Symbiotax today for a free consultation at 720-366-4470 and visit them at symbiotax.com. That's S-Y-M-B-I-O-Tax.com. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. I am Rudo. He is Evan. We've talked enough about this horrible Isles game that nobody is going to remember because they just nothing happened in it. So instead, let's move on to taking a bit of a wider scope look at the Avs as we are over the halfway point in the NHL season right now. Let's start at the top of this team. Nathan McKinnon has 64 points in 43 games. He's third in the NHL in scoring. Not that it comes as any surprise, but McKinnon being in the heart conversation is not only something the Avs need, but it's something that at this point I think they can now expect out of him going forward. How big of a deal to the Avs is McKinnon being this guy now in his career and do you think he can do it? Do you think he will win the heart against the the two monsters in Edmonton? Well, I mean, how big is it right now? I would say it's a it's a game. I know I'm a little early for this, but it's a game changer. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I think you can obviously expect this. This is now two straight years of. I guess this is the third season in a row. But um, if you're talking calendar years, it's two years of him just being a dominant dominant player and. He is the top three player in the world. Maybe nobody knows who he is, according to TMZ or whatever he said there today. But um, you look at him, he's got twice as many points as the next guy on the team. And he they are the top scoring team in the league because he everything runs through this guy. So um, he's a superstar. And I think all the NHL.com writers today had him as the favorite to uh, win the Hart Trophy. Now that might have changed after McDavid. Uh, made Riley look ridiculous tonight, but uh, uh, I think he's got a good chance to win that Hart Trophy, and he'd be my vote just based off of how many injuries the Avs have had to deal with and the inconsistent line mates that he's succeeded with. I think that's that's the most impressive part for me is 
the step we've seen from last year to this year, yes, last year he put up 99 points. He also spent essentially the entire year as part of the three-headed monster. He had Miko Rantanen as an extremely strong offensive talent on one side and Gabe Landeskog having a career year on offense on the other side. This year he's he's fallen into that role of I can make anyone a 50-point player in the NHL, and he's done that for Don Scully. He's done that for Matt Calvert. He's done that at times for Burakovsky. The making other players great is the big step, in my opinion, for him. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely make an argument that his best stretch this year was playing with Matt Calvert and Jonas Donskoy, where he was just, what, he had a couple four-point games in there. So um, that is something that we, you know, he's adjusted to different players. And it took him a few games after the injuries to kind of figure out that, you know, these guys are not, you know, it's not Miko Rantanen out there. It's got to play a little bit different. So uh, that has definitely been the most impressive part. And uh Makes his season, uh, I guess, all the more impressive is just, I guess, what he's doing uh, just with all these different line mates and bringing, bringing the, I guess, carrying the team on his back when, uh, you know, when half the team was on the injured reserve for a while. Right. I mean, we'll get into the injuries and, and kind of where they stand now with health and, and all of that in a minute. But I do want to look at the, the opposite end of the ice as well. In goal, there was some stir about, you know, a little bit of a goalie question mark. Is Francois going to get some more starts? Is Grubauer not? That has died down a little bit over the past couple of weeks as Grubauer has turned in some good performances. Francois has struggled a little bit. But where do you stand on the goalies so far through this year? Grubauer's numbers are pretty average at best. Francois's are quite high. Obviously, there are a bunch of factors that go into that based on, you know, who they have to play and getting goal support, yada, yada, yada. Just kind of interested to see what you think about that goalie situation. Yeah, I'm actually, I mean, I think Grubauer has been fine. I think the problem is when he's bad, it's just kind of the goals kind of flow in every game. So um I am actually okay with them kind of splitting the starts, keeping both of them fresh. Because um, I also think you need to evaluate what you have in Francois, and he's shown he's capable, but, you know, he's a free agent, actually. You, you want to see what you got there. So um, I think goaltending, I th- most would agree, was the biggest question mark coming into the year. And um, all things considered, they've gotten very good goaltending this year. Um, Grubauer is – I was looking at the the advanced stats there that Sean Tierney – Posts every day. Grubauer is kind of middle of the road as far as goals saved above uh, expectation. And right, honestly, he's above Francois. So um, I don't know exactly what goes into that, but um, I think the Avs have gotten good goaltending. As, considering that they are the best uh, goal differential in the NHL, um, I'm not sure that I expected. I definitely didn't expect them to have the best goaltending in the league. So what they've gotten so far has definitely been good enough. I would say even more than good enough. I mean, I think, you know, outside of a couple of games where they've gotten blown up on or, or given up maybe one too many goals, you look at the, the Minnesota Wild game maybe for, for Francois or something like that, they've been excellent. They Almost every single game they've given the Avs a chance to win. They just have come up a little bit short at times on the offensive side in, in recent weeks. Yeah, I mean, I guess the big thing is they're 43 games in, and how many of those losses can you actually go back and look at and say, you know, the goalie lost it for him? You mentioned the wild game. I would say that's one. 
Um, I'm sure Grubauer has maybe, I think he's lost maybe one or two in there that you could say is on him. But for the most part, the goaltending's done its part. So um, I I really don't know what else you can say about the goaltenders other than they've done their job. Uh, The defense has been pretty good in front of them. But um, yeah, I mean, they've, they got some cheap goaltending right now, and they're getting a lot out of it. So, on the defense in front of the goalie, obviously, Kale McCarr is, is the biggest standout of the defense. We don't need to talk about that again. We've talked about it multiple times, how he's more or less a shoe-in for the Calder if he stays healthy at this point. But I'm curious, what's the next biggest change or effect that the defense has had on the Avs this season? With a lot of moving pieces, a lot of moving parts, things like, Zadorov jumping into the role of shutdown defenseman or Ian Cole's magical ability to get points now? Yeah, well, I would say the biggest thing is, I mean, when I watched the preseason games, I thought Ryan Graves was not good. And he has turned it around and had a very, very strong season this year. And I think he's, you know, he's kind of bumped up by some good percentages on his end. But um, did you expect 15 points in 42 games from Ryan Graves? I sure didn't. So. Um, nope. He has been a very pleasant surprise. And yeah, Ian Cole has what, four goals already, 20 points. It's kind of ridiculous what's going on there after double hip surgery. Um, he's got a lot of luck on his side as well. But um, considering Zadorov's offensive numbers are down, EJ's offensive numbers are almost non existent as well. It's kind of nice to have these other guys stepping up and scoring some goals. Yeah, I'm. Someone's got to do it, right? That defense is a, it's an integral part to the Avs scoring ability. And, and obviously, Makar does that. Gerard seems to have found himself once again over the past week or two as well and, and has started producing a significantly or has started producing significantly more. Got there eventually. Uh-huh. Uh, so it the Avs like to run a run and gun system they like to break out on the fly they like to try to stretch passes and they need Makar and Gerard and Ian Cole's weird ability to pick up secondaries to get that going yeah I was not worried about Gerard figuring out I think he was just going through a rough stretch so um to see him realize that he needs to be more aggressive offensively has been kind of nice um you look at the Avs' shot metrics, they're pretty good this year. I mean, they're kind of middle of the road, but um, they're not getting beat down or uh, bogged down in their end as much as maybe we've seen in the past. So um, I think the defense has done pretty well. I would say EJ has taken a step back this year, which is you know kind of hurts the defense as a whole. Um, the top, top four, I wouldn't even know who I would say is the top four defenseman right now, to be honest. Um, it's Makar and then a bunch of guys, which I think would maybe be the biggest issue, but... Um, for the most part, they've done pretty well. Uh, the PK is, yeah, I, we talked about the power play. PK is a big issue too. Um, but you know, like I said, they're plus 31 in goal differential. Nobody expected this. And, um, just a lot of things have gone well in the first half of the year that I don't know that if there's too much, you can really be disappointed in right now. I would Agree with that as the Avs stand 25, 14, and 4, 11 games over 500 beyond the halfway mark here. They're still second place in the Central Division with, well, Dallas has a game in hand and could tie them. But if you're looking down the list, they're squarely still near the second place or near the top of the Central Division. Blues do have five points on them, 
but that's still not completely gone. They're still in striking distance there, potentially, as they do play the Blues twice more in the Pepsi Center this season. Yeah, Winnipeg keeps hanging around, which surprises me, but um, yeah, the Evs are in a good spot. I mean, <laughs> I think the big thing, if they can't pass the Blues, they got to keep home out of a home ice advantage in that first round if they can um because we've seen this year they struggle going into dallas a little bit so don't really want to head on the road against them but that is kind of my i put someone asked me in the mailbag today what's the new year's resolution i said the Avs got to figure it out at home just to kind of be that dominant team so that they can take advantage and because that's really the only thing separating them from these other teams in the central division because they're way better on the road than most of them it's just that their home record is pretty, I would say, pretty average um, right now. 14-7-2 on the road, only 11-7-2 at home. Yeah, and I guess the, the majority of the season's been on the road. So maybe once they they're, they got, like I think, a five-game home stretch coming up here soon. So maybe once they get used to staying at home, they'll you know kind of crank it into gear here. They've had more than a few games that are back-to-backs as well, where the first game is away and then they fly home too. So yeah. that certainly doesn't help. I think they're home. They come home Friday against Pittsburgh, and then they're home till the All-Star break. So that's a good time to make a run. There you go. Get the uh, get the record pumped up at home a little bit for the Avs coming up. We'll talk more about stuff going on with the Avs, be it injuries or or players to target potentially in the third period. But first, we got to wrap this period up. And if you're looking for that Breck brew, but you don't want to go out into the winter cold and drive to find it, well... Total Beverage is the place for you. Total Beverage is offering a fantastic deal right now for the DNVR fam, where you get 30% off purchases between $25 and $75. It's a really great deal. Highly recommend taking advantage of it while it's still around. Use code DNVR2019 online or on the Total Beverage app to get it. They also have CBD products, if that's your thing. From drinks to gummies, you can go that route as well. You can go in person, or as I mentioned, they do deliver to basically the entire Denver metro area at this point. So you can get it shipped right to your door if that's what you want. 30% off, $25 to $75, code DNVR2019. Take advantage while you can. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution with Rudo and Evan on this one. Evan, the Avs were very injured in the early parts of this season. They stood pat. They got healthy. Taylor Hall was potentially an option. He ends up going to Arizona. They still have not made any moves as far as it comes to adding to this team. Firstly, what do you think this team is most in need of as far as a player type or a position to add to? And secondly, is there someone specific that you would be looking at for them to add? Yeah, I mean, as far as what they need, I still have concerns about Burakovsky and Donskoy being top six players. And I think my biggest concern is that um, I'm not sure either has really shown all that much chemistry with Kadri. Uh, they had short little run where it worked, but it just hasn't really worked since then. Um, and I think ultimately Bednar wants to keep that top line together if he can. So uh, I think the big you know, need moving forward is a top six forward. Uh, one that you can depend on because we've already seen Donskoy and Burakovsky have kind of hit 
hit some slow sp- slow points here where you know this is what they've done in their entire career so it's not surprising that it has come up so as far as guys that they would target i think you know Kreider is the one you know i guess we'll get a good look at him tomorrow but Kreider is the one that's constantly brought up to me and when i'm asking for mailbag questions just because he fits the mo mold of you know what the abs want speed uh he's got some size he'd be a good fit on the left wing behind Landis Cog. he plays kind of a similar game to Landis Cog in that he's power game so i think he's kind of the big name Toffoli's name's been thrown around. I'm I'm not a huge fan of Toffoli because I don't think he's a great skater, and I wonder how much he's going to fit in here. Uh, but those are the big names uh, that I've seen thrown around. I just don't know really what's out there that's going to be a huge upgrade, to be honest. I think that's the issue as well. Certainly right now, you know, the trade deadline's still a little bit less than two months away. There's still a lot of teams that think they're in this thing. Chicago still believes they can get back into the playoff race. Teams like Montreal, Buffalo, Columbus still think they might have a shot at playoffs. And there just aren't that many guys available out on the market yet. So if you're looking for a specific player, I do think it is a bit of a hard read right now is, you know, with New Jersey having moved Hall, there isn't that big name to chase really anymore. No, the one team I would watch if they ever fell out of the race would be Florida. Because I think Dadnov and Hoffman would be guys that you would maybe want to target that can score some goals and have proven that in the past. Um, other than that, yeah, I mean, there's just it, it's the same thing the last couple of years. There's just so many teams in the mix right now that it's hard to kind of figure out who is who's available and who really isn't. Um, I know AJ's brought up that you might want to mine Detroit and see if you can get some of their guys, uh, like Amantha, who's hurt right now, but. Um, as far as unrestricted guys, there's just not a lot out there right now that really, I guess, interests me because none of them seem like huge upgrades. Right. And that's the conversation that the abs have to have a little bit as well, right? Like adding Andre Burakovsky 2.0, it doesn't make a ton of sense because, as you said, what the abs need to be looking for is someone that can provide a little bit more consistency to that top six and, and not disappear at times. So those guys don't come onto the market all that often. Yeah. And the guy that I kind of brought up that is kind of fits into this mold is like, well, you know, he's had good seasons in the past, but he's been really bad this year is Josh Anderson in Columbus. Cause he's a guy the ads have liked in the past. Bednar coached him in the AHL. He had 47 points last year, 27 goals. His goal production went up every year, but he's been really bad this year is, you know, I think he's somebody that you can buy low, but is he really going to make your team that much better this year or, or at the end of the season, or is he just more of a buy low and candidate in the summer? Because um, I think he does fit a lot of what the Evs want because he's a heavy guy that can score some goals. So, um, But really, right now, does he make the team that much better, and do you want to give up assets for that? I'm not sure you do. How much does adding a player help stabilize the Avs lineup as a whole, especially we've seen over this last stretch. I mean, everyone in the forward core is playing with everyone for a very large portion of the season. Belmar and Calvert played together. They've been excellent together. Even that has been broken up at this point. So is that a big factor to adding someone where you can have four set lines that you can roll? Yeah, well, I think the thing is the Avs have two lines that they would love to go with right now. You have the top line, and then you have Belmar, 
Calvert. And then, you know, if you want either Nachushkin or Nieto on the other side, either one, it's fine. Um, it's the other two lines that you have to worry about. Because if you have Burakovsky, Kadri, and Donskoy on a line, the other line has always just felt like a island of misfit toys to me. And that's kind You're of where... With. Yeah. yeah, it's just kind of the leftover dudes. So um, there's not really any chemistry on those lines. It's just a bunch of guys that were thrown together. So I think if you can find a forward that would fit in with maybe Burakovsky and Kadri, and you can bump Donskoy down, because we've seen it, Donskoy can play with pretty much anyone. Uh, I think that's the ideal position. It's just a matter of how much, what does that cost? Like, you don't want to, do you want to give up Shane Bowers for a guy that might be an upgrade or might help your team just a little bit? So I'm not, that's kind of what they're going to weigh here down the stretch. And speaking of Shane Bowers, he has eight points in his last eight games. So Yeah, well, maybe just call him up then. Call it good. I mean, I'm not expecting it to happen, but I certainly think it should be a conversation, and especially if the Avs can, can lock down that second spot in the Central or whatever. In my opinion, Shane Bowers should get NHL games this season. Yeah, you just call your dad up and say, hey, Dad, call, you know, give me a spot <laughs> on the lineup. <laughs> uh yeah well you know shane bednar he might have to wait till next year to really yeah. have the opportunity to earn that spot under his pops but no I, I i mean i did get asked today in the mail the mailbag is you know would you add a defenseman and you know i don't think the abs are looking that way but you know we kind of talked about it the abs defense is kind of you know it's mccarr and a bunch of guys who have other than gerard the last week have maybe you know do you have a ton of faith in these guys heading into a playoff series? I'm not sure. Um, I just, I don't think as much as we talk about forwards out there, you know, not being a huge upgrade, I'm not sure that's a huge upgrade on defense either. I don't see an upgrade. I, I mean, barring some very, very large trade, I don't see an upgrade on defense, you know, and unless the Ducks really decide that they don't like Vatnin or something. And, and then the Avs are giving up a ton to, get a player for what a couple years that is he really going to do that much more for the lineup than a Ryan Graves I don't know yeah I mean some of the names I've seen thrown around are like Alec Martinez who you know he was a good defenseman back in the day and not that he's bad now but you know he's just not what he used to be and he's coming off some injuries um not sure that that's really a guy that's going to move the needle too much on your defense or David Savard's pretty good but you know like I said, not and Ryan Murray. Everyone throws around Ryan Murray, but as soon as you say his name, his leg snaps in half. So, um, you know, there's just there's a lot of guys on defense that it's like you add it to, add it to this blue line. And you're like, okay, well, it's not, you know, not much has changed. It's just another did I, guy. Did I say the Ducks? I meant the Devils. Yeah, you did that, say man. the Ducks. I was gonna say I mean, something, but I just let you. This this cold has brought me back to 2016 or something. I don't know. Yeah, and he, even Vadnan, as good as he is, like. You know, that's the guy you want on your power play, and it's, you know, he's not going to do what he does best here, I guess, because he's not going to get that time here. So, yeah, I mean, there's just, it's it's a lot of guys. I think there's more, you're more likely to get an actual upgrade up front um, that can kind of spread out the forward core than on defense, who's just going to add more of the same. It's it's always been this way with defense. The reality is there's just half as many defenders in the league as there are forwards, and good ones are at a premium. Teams don't just give those guys up unless you're talking about astronomical prices, basically. Yeah, and if you acquire somebody, unless, you know, 
Cole or Zadorov are going the other way, you got to scratch one of those guys. Are you going to do that? I don't know if you know they make a lot of money, and I'm not sure the Avs care too much about that. But I don't know if they do that down the stretch. So um, I don't think you can take Graves out of the lineup the way he's played. So it's just kind of a you know it's just adding more of the same. So um, yeah, I mean I think they're more likely to go for a forward that can kind of spread things out and. You know, I think that would make the team really dangerous if they can move Donskoy down to that third line. All right. Well, that's let's kind of get to wrapping things up here. It's been some ups and downs. The Avs have had multiple stretches of going 8-1-1. One, and one. They've had multiple stretches of five straight losses, things like that. So it's been a bit of a roller coaster, but ultimately the Avs come out significantly ahead of most teams in the NHL. And I'm where do you think they stand going into the second half of this season? What do they need to do? I know you talked about defending home ice, getting home ice in the playoffs. How do they get there? What's left? Just keep playing solid hockey or what's the next step? Uh, I mean, the next step is fix, fixing the special teams because that's really the only thing holding them back, in my opinion. Uh, they are... When things stay five on five, the Avs are in good shape. It's just that, you know, they're losing the special teams battle all too often, and that's killing the team. So they got to figure that out. I'm not sure, you know, if they're ready to pull the plug on this power play unit or the plap setup that they've got going on, but uh, they definitely need to look at it, and they certainly need to look at the penalty kill because it's, you know, it's costing them games as well. So, um, the home ice and the special teams are the two things that they need to clean up in the second half of the year. Other than that, there's a lot to like about how this team plays at five on five. And I have no concern. I'd, I'd put them up against a lot of teams in the NHL five on five. It's just, I don't trust this power player or penalty kill at the moment. All right. So playoffs fully expected for the abs at this point. The There are some predictions out there putting him them as one of the top teams to win the cup. Granted, that's like, a top team is eight percent chance or something like that. So yeah, I think they were six to one last week. They were second in the league in as far as gambling goes. Um, if you're into that type of stuff, but yeah, there's they there's a lot of te- people out there that like this Avs team. So for all the ups and downs through the first half of the season, on the whole, it's been extremely positive for this team. That's all I got. Unless you got something to add, Evan. No, they're on pace for well over 100 points. You know, I think everyone would have taken that at the start of the year. Yep. So the Avs are quickly becoming one of the big dogs of the NHL. And if you are looking for the big dog electrician here in the Denver metro area, Piper Electric is the one for you. Through a commitment to customer service and team performance, Piper Electric is the hometown electrical contractor you can trust. You can call them at 303-646-6765 and they'll give you the DNVR hookup and save you 20% off your next service call, whether it's residential, commercial, or industrial work. No job is too big or too small for Piper Electric. Again, call them at 303-646-6765 to get 20% off your next service call. That is it for us on this one. Thank you for listening as my voice starts to die. Evan, I believe we will have back on the show tomorrow. Hopefully depends on how AJ's voice is feeling, but you can expect it same time, same place after the game. And we will talk to you then.